Hello and welcome to Thought Starters, a podcast on the business of creativity recorded in the pod at White City Place. I'm Ellie Stewart. London, sartorially speaking, has been home to some of the world's finest craftsmanship. Take, for example, Savile Row, which remains the global destination for tailoring. Today, many of the city's best young designers are taking that tradition to a new place. Craig Green, Grace Wales Bonner, and Alex Mullins, to name a few. But for heritage brands, whose business still focus on bespoke work, often in traditional styles, the question is how to remain relevant. Up for discussion in this episode, keeping those heritage brands alive. The old saying in life, the shoe or the suit that you buy, that maybe you know, you're looking to throw it away in 18 months, two years. Let's meet our two conversationalists. My name is Campbell Carey. I'm creative director and co-head cutter at Henry Huntsman of Savile Row, London. George Glasgow, chairman, GJ Cleverly, bespoke shoemakers, London. Campbell Carey heads up the design team at Huntsman, which has been in the business since 1849 and has made suits for King Edward VII, King Edward VIII, Winston Churchill, Gregory Peck, Mark Jacobs, and the Italian industrialist Gianni Agnelli. It was also the inspiration for Kingsman, Matthew Vaughn's recent action film. And where Huntsman made the suits for that film, George Glasgow and Cleverly made the shoes. The company's the story of several Georges. George Cleverly, who came from a shoemaking family and worked nearly until his death at 93 years old, founded the business in 1958. Today, George Glasgow is its chairman, and his son, George Glasgow Jr., is CEO and creative director. I expect you experience the same difficulties as me in a fully bespoke tailoring company. Yep. Me, a uh, fully bespoke shoemaking company. I, I would say that probably staff and the level that we try and aspire to is very hard with the sort of generation today. You know, we always have problems getting apprentices. Do you feel the same? Absolutely. Yeah. It's about educating the youngsters who, you know, want to come into a business and, and learn it all in 10 minutes. Yeah. You know, you have to, Yeah, I always say to my apprentice, look, you're being afforded the time here to learn the proper way. Yeah. Take full advantage of that. Don't assume that you're going to get it within a year or two. It takes a long time. Yeah, you've got to persevere with it. You've got to be dedicated to it. In a lot of cases, and I'm sure you are, Campbell, as, as I am, I always say to people that your heart's got to be in it more than your pocket. Yeah. And that's totally true. I probably am a bit older than you, and I probably go back a longer. I mean... This year, you know, I'm proud to say, I've done 50 years. Wow. You know? It's impressive. Oh, isn't it? Yeah. Is it? Really impressive. F- 50 years, you know? And uh, you, I know you, you're a lot younger than me, I'd say. Well, 20 years for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we've done years. 70 years in a handcraft together. Yeah. Combined. You know, I've enjoyed every minute, and I still get as much buzz today as going to work as I did 50 yeah. years ago. Gets you out of bed in the yeah. morning, absolutely. No, exactly, exactly. And, and uh, it will never surprise me who's going to come in, who we're going to make for. And, you know, we've got to always, always be on our game. Got to make sure that the people that do bottom-making, top-making for us, it's all got to be good there in their mind because that's where it's all created. Yeah. There's something disturbing them. Yeah. I can see it in the shoe. And yeah. I say, hang on, Andy. Uh-huh. That's, uh, you know, and you probably get the same. Yeah, see back, a few stitches here. Yeah, back in the day, probably as late as the 80s, Savile was very much an upstairs-downstairs scenario where 
the cutter was king, so the cutter's the guy who cuts the pattern and, and gives dishes out all the work to the tailors downstairs. They were kind of, you know, very top heavy hierarchy. They would just kind of dish the work out and tailors were the ones that had to deal with the consequences. Now yeah. their tables have turned and you're kind of having to sing from you know, play f- right, from yeah. their fiddle somewhere. Yes, you know, they're, yeah. they're the mm. guys with the craftsmanship and the dying art that yeah. they, you know, as you say, you've got to look, look after them and nurture that, you know, that yeah. talent. Yeah, yeah, you've got to be their mum and their dad and their auntie uh-huh. all, and their brother, you know, <laughs> and uh, uh, sometimes you want to scream at them, but, you know, that's doesn't get you anywhere. So the older you get, you tend to sort of be, I don't know, a little quieter and a little <laughs> bit more mellow and uh, it can work. But when they get to do it, it's normally as good as it ever was. Yeah. You know, I'm still immensely proud of uh, what we're producing and I would say without a shadow of a doubt, the few that are left making handmade shoes we're still probably the best that's left today. I'm not saying that because, but I look around and uh, we haven't got a lot of competition, but what we've got, I would say that we're on top of the tree, mm-hmm. a fully bespoke shoe. And I think probably one of the benefits of your small shop is the fact that everyone's within eyesight. You know, they're all part of that same... Yeah, yeah. How many people are in your sh- Well, shop? in the shop itself, in the workroom, we've probably got about four or five, but then, you know, pretty much the shoemaking, and I think it's the same with the tailoring, mm. It's pretty much the coddies industry, and uh, we might have something like thirty or forty people that work at home for us. Yeah, that do a part of the shoe. Like you, you mm. cut it, and then you have got a jacket maker yeah. and a trousers maker. We we make the last, and then we we cut it, and then we have what we term as a closer. Yeah, that stitches the top together, and mm-hmm. then it goes to another guy to put the bottom on. We can do all those stages in house. But um, it's so labour intensive that mm. if we started to make a pair of shoes with the last for a new customer, and then they each passed it along, we would take about seven or eight days to make yeah. one pair of shoes. One pair. Yeah. yeah, it's you know the beauty of of the guys who are putting together the shoes and or tailoring is that they can work from home. Quite a lot of them. Yeah, the guys or guys will come up one day a week, pick up work, drop stuff off, and for them they're saving basically for some of them an hour each way. Um, during the day travelling, so mm. it's, it's an ideal scenario for them to, to be able yes, to work. Correct, work correct, correct, yeah. And no fares. Yeah. Yeah. If they don't get their wives or whatever, yeah. <laughs> you know, can't you go and get the shopping today? <laughs> and, a lot uh, of them have got workshops at the end of the end of the garden and Yeah, exactly. The same. The same. Yeah. The same. You know. So how many would you have in in Savile Row there? Gosh, Savile Row. We're lucky we're blessed with such a big team. At the moment we've probably got about thirty tailors on site. Yeah, and that's yeah. growing more and more. Yeah. Um, we're expanding all the time. The business is, is really growing hand over fist, which yeah. is great. Um, yeah. When I joined the trade, the business was shrinking, so or the trade was shrinking, so it's great to be part of that wave of resurgence, which I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think people nowadays are realising the benefits of something that's handmade. Yes, yeah. it's expensive, but it's a, it's an initial cost that you'll reap yes. many years of, of you know joy. and. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. I mean, the old saying in life, you get what you pay for. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, when you pay for a, a good suit or a pair of shoes, you know, you'll pay definitely a bit more in the first place. Mm-hmm. But then in five or ten years' time, or even longer, that's what you paid for. Mm. That's expensive. Yeah. Because I couldn't get away with that, and I'm sure you couldn't. Mm-hmm. You know, people say, well, what is this material you're using? What is this leather you're using? It's not as good as it used to be. So what's the oldest pair of shoes you've seen that are still being worn, serviceable, No, you're still together and... Uh, well, I expect repair. I had a guy when I went to New York a couple of years ago, and he bought. He said, "Oh, George, I thought I'd bring you these in. Yeah. This is the first pair of shoes that you ever done for me, yeah. and they were forty years old. And he wanted um, new wow. soles and heels put on them. 
And um, he said, I'll tell you what, George, I'll, I'll also order another beer. <laughs> <laughs> and they were still okay, still okay. Yeah, well, they were, They needed a bit of what I call TLC, but yeah. they were good for another number of years. Crikey. You know? And we see people, it's, it's quite a nice thing, touching thing when you see grandsons coming in with their grandfather's tuxedo. They've packed long yeah. past. Yeah. But with a bit of, you know, because tuxedos, dinner jackets aren't really worn that much. The cloth doesn't take that much of a beating. It's the silk yeah. facings we end up replacing. Yeah. But there's something nice to be able to hand that you know, refurbish something and make it, you know, suitable for the grandsons, really. You know, yeah, that's ama- yeah, amazing, yeah. So tell me something. I mean, when you first started, what was a handmade suit? What did, what did a handmade suit cost and what does it cost today? How does that? Well, only I only started 20 years ago, but back then it was 3,200. And we're now up to 5,250 for a two-piece. Oh, well, this, this will... will um, blow you out of the water yeah. when I first started there was a thing in England called purchase tax it's replaced now by VAT the purchase tax the shoes were £20 plus purchase tax which used to be about £2 mm-hmm. so they were about 22 so £22 now they're I can't believe it when I say well they're 3006 did I say that? 3006 <laughs> so when I've gone from 20 to, to 3006 in in uh, 50 years yeah. But I'd honestly say that we got far, 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 far more orders today than we ever had when they were 20. I've, Huntsman, I guess, is probably the pinnacle, the jewel in the crown for me. I've only been there two years, but I always aspire to work there. I find when I started out 20 years ago, people were much more price aware. Nowadays, they're less of that. I think they're much more well-educated in what they're actually paying for and yeah, what they're getting yeah. for that um, money. I think you're right. I think you're right. 100% right. I think you're, you know, there's the people that will always have to have shoes made. Mm. And then there's the people that don't want to be dictated to, by the shop. So you've yep. got to buy this, you've got to buy that, you've got to buy that. Mm-hmm. No, I want that colour, I want that shape, I want that style. You probably have the same. Mm-hmm. So that's the bespoke world. So And then there's the people that would never dream of having anything else but fully bespoke suits, fully bespoke shoes. Yeah, That's that's real, you know. Yeah. Um, it's a trap, isn't it? Well, let's see, it's a trap. It's not a ne- negative word, but it's a slippery slope for people who get into the bespoke world. Because yes, no. It, comfort's the main thing. Once you put on something that's made for you, yeah, a suit, a pair of shoes, shirt, anything that's made for you, it's that kind of going back to off the peg right to where it's just... No, you can't do it. No. You can't do it. That's the that's the reality. As a, an American said to me a couple of years back, we were just about sending out the itineraries about the, the, the forthcoming trip, and this guy was anxious. And he, so he, he phoned me up and um, from New York, and he said, so when's the drug dealer coming to town? For <laughs> <laughs> sure, man. <laughs> there could be more service, I suppose. No, no, no. <laughs> and how often do you travel, George? How often are you on the road? Well, I'm not, you know, I mean, uh, well, if you're, uh, in my heyday, in my younger days, mm. I was doing Asia, Japan mainly, and then America, I was doing a big part of America, you know, um, six or eight cities, pretty much what you're doing now. Yeah. Uh, now it's gone, not gone, but um, my son, who's in the business, been in the business now for 12 years, and uh, seems to be doing an excellent job. He does, his legs are younger than mine, so he does <laughs> he does more of the travelling side of it. And uh, that seems to be working out quite well. But, uh, you know, when you're, you know, the older you get and aeroplanes and... So luggage you, and what have you. You're doing the more executive legs of the, the, the trunk. Something like that, yeah. Campbell. Yeah. Something like that. You know, when you get to that stage, let me know and I'll have a word with <laughs> you and tell you how to handle it. <laughs> and you, you, you're doing every, every. Yeah, we um, we do all the around the US. Um, my 
part of that is the East Coast. So I do Chicago, DC, Pittsburgh, and New York. Right. Um, and also so weird cities here and there when we need to at the beck and call of, of um, customers. But um, hmm. it's hmm. a kind of love-hate relationship, isn't it? You kind of... you. You hate to do it, but you miss it when you're not on the road. There's a certain kind of... Yes, yes. You know, it's, I think being in the US, they're a lot more receptive to being sold to, I find. It's always a really refreshing when you come back and you're kind of on a high because people, yeah. they want to hear your story, you know. Yeah. In the UK, I think people are a bit more kind of... They clam up when they're being yep, sold yeah. to yeah. somewhat. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, probably like you. The American is... Um, is you know quite a big part of it's a big hunting ground for us yeah. you know, probably for you as well god bless them yeah that's what i say god bless them <laughs> <laughs> so you, america's just you then now uh, you don't go to asia uh no. no no um cape town we are kickstarting a cape town trunk show i was there january the first for a week mm-hmm. that was quite nice to leave behind the rainy old london mm-hmm. and go to 35 degrees cape town mm-hmm. and exciting to to visit new cities and and yeah, sure. Yeah. I relate exactly to what you said there a minute ago about, you know, you go and then you get buzzed up to get out there. Yeah. And then you're out there, you know, waiting for a call, waiting for And then you think, what am I doing out here? <laughs> and then you get into a few customers that you've known for a long time. Yeah. And then you think, you know what? I like this. And then you can go again. And then you've got to move from New York to San Francisco or somewhere, then San Francisco to LA. You know, it's. Very love-hate, and I relate to uh, how you describe that. And I, pe- I think people back home don't really understand what's entailed. You know, my wife in particular will say, oh, you're off in a jolly again. And yes. It's, like, it's no uh, jolly. No, <laughs> no, 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 I know, uh, I know, I know. And the people at work that don't do it. Yes. Think, oh, that's a great life you've got. Expenses. Yeah, yeah, all that. yeah, yeah, yeah uh, getting on an aeroplane. And where you go, oh, yeah, yeah, I know, it's hardship. Yeah. Know, but, um, but they kind of don't really, unless you've done it, mm. You never, never know. know, but then it's important to do that today. I think if you, probably if you sat in Savile Row and I sat in Old Bond Street thinking, mm, you know what, it's quiet. No chance. The, yeah, you would be, you know, you looking for closing up, but, you know. You've got to chase it, yeah, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when one part of the world is quiet, maybe London, maybe New York, you hope that LA or Tokyo or Singapore will be different. So, you, you, you know, you're going to. You're not keeping all your eggs in one basket and you've got wages and you've got craftsmen to keep and that's all you want to do. Yeah. You've got to keep, me and people like you, got to keep this business alive, yeah. this handcraft, because, you know, if it goes, it'd be massively sad. That's Massive. a sad thing. Yeah. Yeah, I hate to see, we're lucky, our chairman, Pierre Lagrange, has got a real eye on nurturing the talent and, and maintaining it and making sure we our company bridges a further three centuries. But when you look around the West End, you see these fantastically trained old guys, old girls, who, once they're gone, that's it. You know, that centuries-old kind of talent that you can't really teach someone, you've got to show them, and, you know, it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a shame when you see that, and it, once it's gone, it's gone. People coming into the trade, they can earn money much faster yeah. doing something far more menial. And, and But, you know, certainly for us in the coat-making, the trouser-making, once you get trained up, it can be a really good living, for, mm, you know, mm. for yeah. a decent trouser-maker. You can be earning, you know... 50, 60, 80k plus. I, mean, I don't know what it's like for you guys. Yeah, no, it is. You know, you get, you know, what you're paying. No, I mean, many, many years ago, it weren't that way. But now it's been changed mm. that they, they have to. I mean, I've had some of my makers have said to me, well, George, you know, if I'm not getting the money for bottom making, I might as well go and drive a train. Yeah. 
So you've got to. You've got to do that, otherwise you don't protect it. So you've got to do it, and you hope that the customer will accept the increase. (laughs) You're listening to Thought Starters, recorded at White City Place. Today we're listening in on George Glasgow, chairman of George Cleverly Shoes, and Campbell Carey, creative director of Huntsman. Stay tuned for more conversation on why different hands make different clothes and working till you drop. We always stick to the same guy that closed the customers before Absolutely. and the same same bottom maker that you would get that consistency that what he's experienced before and he's pleased with, you give it to the same, same channel yeah. people that it will turn out the same. Same with us. It's always the same trouser maker, the same coat maker that gets that, that job that they made for the customer the last time because although it's... We're working to the same pattern and specification. There's always the element of handmade, different hands on the garments. So yeah, can, yeah, 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 no, exactly. Yeah. And people you, can't, once they get into it, they'll, they'll be able to see, hang on a minute, this is a different right. make. Yeah, 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 you know. yeah, no, that's right, yeah. Kind of um, go back to the thing that hand lasting. I mean, you know, if you've got a younger guy doing it, ours is a last, which is a physical block of wood. Mm. A younger guy, and you change from a guy to a younger guy, he'll pull it tighter because uh-huh. he's just younger and stronger. And uh-huh. that will be in in the actual fit of it. And do your guys have any trouble with, like, carpal tunnel syndrome or arthritis? Yeah, one or two. They do a bit less and less. I mm. mean, um, unfortunately, I've got one guy at the moment, you know, unfortunately, God bless him, you know, he's you know, he's down in, I don't know where he's down now, but he's got to um, go and have a hand operation, but he's 82. Jeez. You know, I always say to the younger guys, I said, you see Ken? Yeah. yeah? He's doing more than you. <laughs> and he's 82. <laughs> but he's got to go and have an operation. But that's something on a, an arthritis thing. But, wow. you know, he can still still got the eye and he can still make and they still look absolutely lovely. And is know? he your oldest member? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, yeah he works at home mm-hmm. like the others, you know. Um, and you? Would you go 82? Mm, maybe a bit more, actually. Yeah. Maybe 86 is our oldest member of staff. 86, yeah. And youngest in the accountancy office we've got someone who's 18 who yeah. was born in the year 2000 which is really scary yeah 86 is that an outworker no he's inside ah Still well. and there's a guy is it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean a lot of our guys will work till they drop that's the beauty of our yeah yeah I mean uh, yeah no Campbell I think you know I think that's great you know if someone can grasp that this retirement I hope I'm doing the same but mm. this retirement what are you going to do? Unless you've got a lot to <laughs> occupy yourself, yeah. I think it's kind of a bit like keeping that little thing above your eyebrows, you know, active mm-hmm. and, and thoughtful and thinking and feel, the most mm-hmm. important, and feel you're wanted still. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, George, how do I do that? You know, and you probably, Campbell, how do I do that? Yeah. You know, um, but, you know, I think it's, um, it's just uh, something that I feel that like you've got to do to carry on, you know, in, you know, something you love. I love, I love work. Oh, yeah. I mean, people say to me, oh, I hate going to work tomorrow, but I do genuinely actually really love it. Absolutely. I just sort of think, oh, let's have a look at that. Let's have a look at that. Oh, when you're got your I don't know the outworkers if they like me. Yeah. Because I see, you know, I said, so to the guy that was manager of the workplace, so I said, where's it? And they say, oh, oh, George, he's running a bit late. I'll say, how many did you do last week? Well, he only done one and a bit. I said, what do you mean one and a bit? Look, give me his number. I'm going to ring him. Oh, George, what do you want? <laughs> I said, where's screen, the work? Screen your calls. <laughs> yeah. But... What's the most amount of shoes you've seen a customer order through you guys? Well, Cleverly introduced me to him because I used to work with Cleverly. Maybe before Cleverly died, 30 years ago, Baron Alexis Doretti. 
I reckon in his time, he probably had about 500 pairs made. You know, and Cleverly was always making for him. He used to come in and uh, he used to always come from France and stayed at Claridge's. Car bought him round. Wow. Never used to say too much. Lovely, charming man. Mm-hmm. Oh, George, is there any shoes ready? I said, uh, yeah, we got this and that. He said, oh, fine. Send them up to Claridge's and make them again for me. Jeez. And when <laughs> Cleverly... See, Cleverly was another great for keeping massive records. Mm-hmm. He was a three-man operation. And I used to say, so George, tell me, how much you... And George then, I think, was 90. So I said, how many do you think you made the Baron? He said, well, let's put it this way, boy. Because everyone was boy. Let's put it this way, boy. I can't remember any time in my life never making him shoes. Jeez. You know, so uh, I said, well, put a figure. He said, maybe four or five hundred pairs. You know, I thought, wow. He resided in the Hotel Lambert in in Paris. Didn't he have, like, really elegant feet? Yeah, yeah. Really small, narrow, you know, and they looked like a pencil, but yeah. really dapper shoes. But then that's what he what he was, and that's what um, they demanded. Yeah, there had to be, you know, spectacular looking, mm. you know. What Cleverly taught me is that it's easy to make a, a shoe comfortable. That's why, yeah. yeah. You make it roomy or whatever. Yeah. But Cleverly taught me they can be comfortable, but they still got to have a style. Stylish. They look I nice. always see it's easy to cut a suit that fits, yeah. but it's far more difficult to cut one with style. Yes, same thing that, and I mean, I've seen shoes that have been handmade, and they, to me... Clunky. Yeah, they look like a bit like a blob, and I think, gosh, you know, maybe that's... Um, <laughs> well, you can spot a Cleverly shoe, yeah. I, th- I think. Didn't you go to Ascot one year for George Cleverly's birthday? Newmarket. Newmarket, yeah. Was it yeah. 90th? Yeah. 80th? Yeah, yeah. 90th. 90th, yeah. and you basically sat there and spotted shoes that yeah. you've made on all the, on yeah. all the people racing. That's Amazing. right. Well, that's bit you can. You feel that's my Andy working that jacket. Yeah. You can spot yeah. all the different houses, but Cleverly's definitely got a lovely, a lovely shape. And Cleverly, you know, people say to me today, "Well, your shoes, you know, are, you know, when they're all in old, it's a square toe, square look." Mm. And Cleverly, I always remember, and I carry it on today. And I say, "Well, in actual fact, sir, this is Mr. Cleverly's words. They're not square; they're suspiciously square. Suspiciously square. Yeah, they look square, but they're not. <laughs> they're suspiciously square. And um, you know, Cleverly would always say that to people." And I understand what it is. It's not like a straight square like a box. Uh-huh. The corners are just taken off, so they're square, but yeah. they don't look... I suppose more and more the Kingsman and things like that, Mr Porter, have helped your business. But people come to me and say, where should I get my shoes made? And I always say, well, you, of course. But um surprises me how many people don't actually know of, like, it's a well-kept secret. Yeah. They yeah. really hate me saying that, but... Mm. Um, They'll say, oh, I go here, and I say, no, 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 go, mm. to, go and see George. He's, yeah, he's there. Yeah, yeah. That, thank you, yeah. I mean, I'll probably, that's what it is. And then sometimes I think, oh, you know, we love new business, of course. Yeah. And then sometimes, you know, people say, are you busy? And I say, God, immensely busy. But in the clientele that we're dealing with, people say, so how long to make these? <laughs> really? Mm. They can't believe. But, you know, of a, such a skilled and labour-intensive product, it just takes, I mean, probably six, nine months to make a pair. Wow. So always. And what would you say for a suit? We always quote about 80 hours of hand work in one of our suits. Hmm. It's the amount of hands that are actually touching it. The actual tailor putting the canvases together, then you've got a pocket maker, the finisher, the presser. goes back to the finisher again, back to the presser. There's many hands touching it, yeah. 80 hours. Yeah. So people say to me, hang on a minute, you know, £5,250 for a two-piece suit. Hmm. And I say, well, get your plumber in for eight years of hand, hand work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll soon yeah. realise, you know. Yeah, no. right. It's very true, very yeah. true. 
And how long has Cleverly been in that site in the Royal Arcade? No, he was um, Cleverly started with all the Cleverly family in a company called Two Sex, and they were in Clifford Street, right, uh, for many years. And that's where George was there, and his nephew was there, and his uncle was there, and his brother was there. Wow. It wasn't Cleverly; it yep. was called Two Sex, and Two it was Sex. the family called Two Sex that owned the business. And Cleverly was instrumental or in charge of production. George had a stroke at 60. Wow. He went to the doctor, and the doctor said, well, if you have six months off work, listen to what I say, you'll be you'll live to be a very old man. Fantastic. So that's what he done. Mm-hmm. He did do the six months, and he went back, and unfortunately, there was a bit of problems then with Tussex. They closed. Yeah. I think it was financial, and there was something happening there. I do know, but it's not worth talking about that now. And George started on his own. So it was a brave move. 60 years of age, just had a stroke, Crazy. and start up your own business. You don't jump when it's safe to jump. Uh, and he got here of customers yep. that found him from his Tussex days that would go into probably someone like yourself, Huntsman's or Anderson Show, and say, oh, by the way, um, you know, do you know what happened to that guy? Oh, yeah, he's around the corner now in Court Street. Fabulous. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, we done the shoes for Colin Firth and Michael Caine and Taron, Taron Egerton. They were classic English shoes, Oxfords and patent shoes, which we'd done quite a lot of, and that was through Mr. Porter. We made the suit for Matthew Vaughan's wedding. You made the shoes, right? That's right, that's yeah. right. Yeah, 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 that's right. That's a long, long time ago. And he knows his stuff in terms of, you know, what's yes. right and what's not. Yeah, he's got a wonderful eye. Yeah. Matthew Vaughan is, uh, you know, he could see buttons from a mile away, yeah. you know, and, uh, yeah, uh, an incredible eye. I think that's why, you know, the costumes in the movie are so fun, you know, he's got yes. a real hand. and. He does know clothes, and he's a very, very high level. You mm. know, and that amalgamation with Mr. Porter was amazing because Mr. Porter are great people, and they've turned a lot of things around, and they know what they want. You know, lovely people to work with. They opened up that shop in St James's Street, which yeah. is, I think was. I went brothers. down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I went down there for the opening before Christmas, but yeah, some lovely stuff, uh, lovely suits, lovely shoes, lovely clothes. You know, mm. I mean, the movie's loosely based on Huntsman. Matthew Vaughan's a long-standing customer Huntsman, so it's naturally that they, you know, made a movie about us and Savile Row. And I always say that we, not just Huntsman, but the whole of Savile Row, have got a lot to thank for, you know, opening up what we do to a much younger, you know, more international mm. clientele. Yeah. It's, mm. it's done us really well. I, I think that's very true. You know, every aspect, everyone wants to wear this, the same shoes as Colin Firth and Absolutely. Michael Caine. Yeah, yeah. Who's no. got the best feet out of those two? And, uh, yeah, the. <laughs> Uh, well, I'd probably say Colin Firth, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all dependent on how narrow you can make them. And look but he's got the height and he's handsome and he can hold all those yeah. sort of things. So I think, you know, wow, that looks the part on him. Mm-hmm. And he's a wonderful actor, yeah. He wears the clothes and shoes well, doesn't he? Well, I had a few people in America when I'd done the trunk show after the first one. Yeah. So they, as I said, what's, what's the shoes up, Colin Firth? That's what I want to wear. <laughs> yeah, um, well, Campbell. It was wonderful to see you and have this chat with you. Absolutely. Very, very nice. You know, <laughs> I, I'm happy now that you've got the same problems I've got. <laughs> I can go back to work now because I thought it was just me. The me shit. only had all this. But <laughs> I think we'll have this chat again if these two chaps invite us again, maybe in another 10 years. How see do you think about doing. that? See and I think doing. our business will be, you know, up a bit, up a bit, and up a bit. And it'll go from straight. There'll always be people that will want your suits and my shoes. Yeah. That's reality. Yeah. There's no shortcuts in what we do. So no. hopefully that will ring true for, for many years to come. No, exactly. Exactly. I sort of, um, you know, sort of endorse that. Most people have had it. They never go back. 
That was George Glasgow, chairman of George Cleverly Shoes, and Campbell Carey, creative director of Huntsman. This has been Thought Starters, recorded at the pod at White City Place. Thought Starters is a Dienico project for White City Place, produced by David Michon, recorded by Antonio Fernandez, and edited by Claire Crofton. To find out how you can record your own podcast at White City Place, find us at whitecityplace.com or follow us on Twitter or Instagram at White City Place. Or shoot us an email at podcast at whitecityplace.com. And subscribe to Thought Starters on iTunes. Give us a rating or write us a comment. It really helps. We'll see you next time. Thought Starters.